Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. It is the 20th of April. Welcome to another beautiful morning, Manna for Breakfast, the reading this morning. It'll be Joshua 11 and 12, oh, and Matthew uh, 20 today. We had a wonderful outreach yesterday. A uh, little neighborhood, new neighborhood that uh, uh, Amelia, one of the girls in the church, and her mom's been working at. And uh, so we went over there and kind of did a, a little... VBS one day kind of thing with them. Renee did the the resurrection eggs. They'd never done that, so that was pretty neat. Seeing how the kids reacted to that, they really loved it. Had a wonderful time. Well, let's look over to this day in history and see what we've got there this morning. This day in history, Columbia High School massacred April twentieth, nineteen ninety nine. Eric David and Dylan Kybold going to shooting rampage at the Colorado High School. There was a Calvary Chapel right right by that. We know the pastor that had to deal with the fallout of that and uh, the people that were um, involved. And um, boy, Renee could refresh my memory on this. It seems like one of those two kids that did the shoot up were at one point had been in that church or something or had been at least visited. I'm trying to remember that all the details been a long time ago. Um, oh, gosh, dumb stuff. Dolly Parton's first single, April 20th, 1959. Interesting. Th- at 13 years old. Um, that's not much going on there. Civil War, Robert E. Lee reigns. His command of the U.S. Army, April 20th, 1869. Resigns his command, 1861. Um, okay, I think that's it. There's all kinds of interesting trivia stuff about Hollywood, but that's not does not interest me in the least bit. How about, what do you call two octopuses that look the same? Oh, it's easy, identical. <laughs> I named my dog Five Miles so that I could frequently say, I'm going to walk five miles now. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's something I would do. Okay, let's start the reading this morning. Father, thank you for this morning. Give us your understanding, God. Give us your insight. We desire to understand all of these interesting facts of history with Israel, why they did what they did, how they strayed away from you, how they came back, and how you dealt with them as your people so so that we can gain benefit, God, so we can learn how you desire us to walk with you. So thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 11. Now it came about when Jabin king of Hazar heard of it that he sent Jobab king of Madon to the king of Simron, to the king of Arkshaf. And the two kings were of the north in the hill country and in the Arabah, south of Chinroth. And the kings who were of the north in the hill country and the Arabah 
south of Chinroth, and in the lowland and in the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and on the Amorite and the Hittite and the Pizzarite and the Jebusite, in the hill country and the Hivite, on the foot of Hermon, in the land of Mispeh. They came out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand on the seashore, with very much horses and chariots. So all of these kings, having agreed to meet, came and encamped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid because of them, for tomorrow at this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came upon them suddenly by the water of Merom and attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel so that they defeated them and pursued them as far as the great Sidon and Misraphoth Maim and the valley of Mispeh to the east. And they struck them until no survivor was left to them. Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. Then Joshua turned back at that time and captured Hazor and struck its king with the sword. For Hazor formerly was the head of all the kingdoms. They struck every person who was with it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was no one left who breathed, and he burned Hazor with fire. Joshua captured all the cities and these kings and all their kings and struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed them just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. However, Israel did not burn any cities that stood on their mounds except Hazor alone, which Joshua burned. All the spoil of these cities and all the cattle the sons of Israel took as their plunder, but they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them. They left no one who breathed. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua. And so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus Joshua took all the land, the hill country, and all the Negev, all the land of Goshen, the lower land, the Arabah, the hill country of Israel, and its lowland, from Mount Halak, that rises towards Seir, even as far as Baal Gad, the city of Lebanon, at the foot of Mount Hermon. And he captured all their kings and struck them down and put them to death. Joshua waged war a long time with all these kings. There was not a city which made peace with the sons of Israel except the Hivites living in Gibeon. They took them all in battle, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts to meet Israel in battle in order that he might utterly destroy them, that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Joshua came at that time and cut off the Anakim from the hill country, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, and from the hill country of Judah, and from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. There was no Anakim left in the land of the sons of Israel, 
only in Gaza and Gath and in Ashdod, some remained. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Thus the land had rest from war. Now these are the kings of the land whom the sons of Israel defeated and whose land they possessed beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise from the valley of Arnon as far as Mount Hermon and all of the Arabah to the east. Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon and ruled from Aroer, which is at the edge of the valley of Arnon, both in the middle of the valley and half of Gilead, even as far as the brook Jabbok, the border of the sons of Ammon and the Arabah, as far as the Sea of Chinnereth, towards the east, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, even the Salt Sea, eastward towards Beth Jerismoth, the south and the foot of the slopes of Pisgah, the territory of Og, the king of Bashan, one of the remnant of the Rephaim who lived at Astaroth in Edrei, and ruled over Mount Hermon and Salakah and all the Bashan as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Machatites and the half of Gilead as far as the border of Sion, the king of Heshbon. Moses, the servant of the Lord, the and the sons of Israel defeated them, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave it to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh as a possession. Now these are the kings of the land whom Joshua and the sons of Israel defeated beyond the Jordan towards the west, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, even as far as Mount Halak, which rises towards Seir. And Joshua gave it to the tribes of Israel as a possession, according to their divisions. In the hill country, in the lowland, in the Arabah, on the slopes of the wilderness, and the Negev, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Pizzerite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And the king of Jericho won, the king of Ai, which besides Bethel won, the king of Jerusalem won, the king of Hebron won, the king of Jarmuth won, the king of Lachish won, the king of Eglon won, the king of Gezer won, the king of Debir won, the king of Geder one, the king of Horma, one, the king of Arad, one, the king of Libna, one, the king of Adullam, one, the king of Makeda, one, the king of Bethel, one, the king of Tafua, one, the king of Hefer, one, the king of Aphek, one, the king of Lasharan, one, the king of Madan, one, Hezor, one, the king of Shimron Piron, one, the king of Arkshaf, one, the king of Tanakh, one, the king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jonium in Carmel, one. The king of Dor in the heights of Dor, one. The king of Goim in Gilgal, one. The king of Tisra, one. In all, 31 kings. That's quite an amazing accomplishment for a bunch of slaves that came out of Egypt. When you think about it, they had no history of developing an army, uh, although how many of them fought in the Egyptian army, I don't know. I don't know if that was something they even allowed their slaves to do, but uh, they were nonetheless empowered by God, and that is the whole point. They were completely empowered by God when they were trusting him, and they were walking with them. This was the the main thing that they needed to remember and get before them that, that God was doing something quite extraordinary in in their midst before them. They were able to defeat armies that had been established for generations and that had been battling for generations when you think about it. 
they had to defeat um, all of the enemies coming against them. And they all warred amongst themselves at times because obviously they were they had established armies for defending and they all wanted, you know, everybody's all greedy, wanted to take each other's land. So it's quite quite an accomplishment to see how God brought this wandering group of Jews out of the land of Egypt. Their sons and daughters grow up in the desert, not having known war, until they get to the towards the edge of the promised land where they start engaging the Ammonites first, and then they engage Sihon and, and, and Og. But God just goes before them. He does things like casting down hailstones from heaven and creating a long day so that they can defeat their enemies, doing extraordinary things so that his will is accomplished. It's still profound to me to think how God dealt with people in the Old Testament, but it is what it is. God brought down some severe judgment on people and their sin. And we're supposed to learn from that. Um, it causes people to, uh, oh, I don't believe how a loving God could do this and do that. Well, a loving God came down from heaven and, and gave himself for us so that none of this would really have to happen again. So that people would not have to, he would not have to send uh, another nation or use Israel to wipe out all the pagan nations of the earth that don't want to follow him. He died and gave of himself to show us that that's not his will. And uh, we decide whether we want to believe that or not, follow it or not. But that's what he did. And that's a little bit what we will look at in the New Testament now. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said, to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. Then those who hired first came and they thought that they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius when they received it they grumbled at the landowner saying these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal with us who have borne the burden of the scorching heat of the day and he answered and said unto them friend i am doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for what for a denarius take what is yours and go but I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do that which I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am gracious? So the last shall be first, and the first last. 17. As Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves on the way, and he said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock it, and scourge and crucify him. On the third day he will be raised up. 
Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons bowing down and making a request of him. He said to her, What is it you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on the left. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup of which I am about to drink? And they said to him, We are able. And he said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit at my right hand or my left, this is not for me to give, but it is for those to whom has been prepared by my father. Hearing this, the dame became indignant of the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but you, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to become first among you shall be slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and two blind men sitting on the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed Jesus. In the other account that we read yesterday or the day before, it was one man. Here it is two. It gets people a little bit concerned about the accuracy of the Bible, but it's not that difficult. Most all theologians agree that the different gospel writers simply had different ways of expressing things and where one would see that the two people got up and talked to Jesus the other gospel writer would say well there was one person talking there was one that was crying out and so he only focuses on the one and not the other um, so we see that a couple of times in the bible even with the um, demon possessed man on the other side of the Galilee so it's not a big issue for me anyway uh, so there you go with more of the crying out of, of the the grace of God by the Son of God who has come to do what? To give a ransom for many that would call upon him the first hour and the last hour. This is why I still believe people can get saved even in the tribulation. Um, we, uh, we can be consider ourselves like those in a sense that, that God, God says, I'll give you I'll give you my my son for your in exchange for your life, and he will be your redemption. Now go serve me, and we spend our whole life serving him, laboring to bring in the harvest. And then at the last minute, you know, somebody can receive the Lord uh, one minute before they die and have led a completely horrendous, filthy, you know, sinful life, or in the tribulation, even after the rapture, still cry out, and get saved. Because it is the landowner, it is the, the vineyard keeper that has the right to give out grace. He is, he says, do I not have the right to be gracious and to give what I want with what's mine? He can give his life as a ransom for whoever would call upon him at whatever time. This stumbles people in the church because people that have been grown up in the church and been a part of the church, serving on the church board and doing all the things, you know, right and, and uh, helping the poor and food drives and clothing drives and everything. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, 
anyone could be saved. This drug dealer, if he calls upon the Lord, even if he's killed people, if uh, God will forgive him, they'll go to heaven. And people say, that's not right. That's not fair. After all that we've done, at least we should get more. At least, you know, we should receive more than he is because we've labored all our, our whole lives in the church. While the gift of grace will never not be different, the fact that we get saved and we all get to be part of his kingdom, that is that is unchangeable and everyone receives the same. There will be a difference in our, in our rewards. And, and I think that's where it evens out for a sense. In one sense, Jesus says, no, I, I will give you a reward for your faithfulness. So that's encouraging. So with that, we need to read Charles Spurgeon, Faith Not Feeling, My Faith Not Feeling. The just shall live by faith, Romans one seventeen. The just shall live by faith. I shall not die. I can, I do believe in the Lord my God, and this faith will keep me alive. I would be numbered among those who in their lives are just, but even if I were perfect, I would not try to live by my righteousness. I would cling to the work of the Lord Jesus and still live by faith in him and by nothing else. If I were able to give my body to be burned for the Lord Jesus, yet I would not trust in my own courage and and consistency, but still would live by faith. Were I a martyr at the stake, I'd plead my Savior's name, entreat a pardon for his sake, and urge no other claim. To live by faith is far surer and happier thing than to live by feelings or by works. The branch, by living in the vine, lives better life than all. It would by itself, even if it were possible to live at all apart from the stem, to live by clinging to Jesus, by deriving all from him, is a sweet and sacred thing. If even the most just must live by this fashion, how much more must I, who am a poor sinner? Lord, I believe I must trust thee wholly. What else can I do? Trusting thee is my life. How beautiful (laughs) and how poetic and how perfectly appropriate to what we've been looking at. The grace of God saving us at any hour, at any time, whether the most noble or the poorest sinner. God will accept us into his kingdom if we simply accept what he is desiring to give us. And it is his gift of grace that we take and that does all of the work for us. So, Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for the blessing that we have in you, knowing that we are safe and secure, knowing that there is nothing, and there is no need for anything else, nor would we be content with anything else, because too many of us have striven, and uh, we have uh, tried to be righteous on our own, and have failed miserably, or we felt proud of our accomplishments, and been like those who work in the field all day and think that you should receive us because of our hard work, only to be humbled if we ever spend enough time before you and realize what you paid on the cross. Realize the extreme pain, the extremity of what you you went through so that we would not be judged according to our sin and die. So, God, thank you for the humbling and thank you for the, the knowledge that we gain when we come before you and really read your Bible, and really listen carefully. 
And thank you for your power of the cross. And Father, we have many things to pray over, many brothers and sisters dealing with uh, serious situations. We have, a, we have a, a new brother in the Lord that just got diagnosed as cancer, uh, who lives up in Fredericksburg. Uh, one of the one of the men that goes to the church where Mike and Carly go. His wife is Ukrainian, and uh, Father, we're praying for that as they're trying to help uh, this this sister um, Natasha get into the United States and doing all they can to help her. They get this blow and this knowledge that that there's cancer now to deal with. So we pray a special blessing on this family. I pray that you help them, God, uh, process this information as they're trying to help. Natasha and Victoria come over to the United States, and we thank you. They seem to have a plan. They have a contact, God. We thank you for that in Rosarito. We thank you that you seem to be organizing this thing uh, so that she can have someone with her there at the border. So thank you and praise you for that. We want to lift up on Carlos in Mexico City, who's waiting again to see about surgery, waiting again to see about what can be done about the tumor in his head. And we know um, Francisco is waiting to be healed, and he's waiting to be strengthened. And so uh, we ask you to bless him, God, as he is waiting to be healed. God, a difficult situation and uh, very painful. And so, and, and here in Mexico, with this kind of socialized medicine, things often move very, very slowly. So please, God, we ask that you be healing him while he's laying there in bed. Pray for as well for those that are high functioning with their cancer. We thank you for Susie that seems to be never complaining. God don't know how she's handling what she's doing, but thank you for Nabil and Susie and uh, certainly their, their unyielding faith. We thank you for Karen Skoog who's pressing on God in all things and um, believe that she is, haven't heard any updates, but we believe that she's um, doing what she normally does, reading her Bible, loving you, praying, helping her husband, helping her ch- her child and all those in her church family. So thank you for her. I ask you to bless that family abundantly. And uh, Celeste, God, are falling into fear and falling into anxiety and not knowing where to go or where to turn. We can be assured that our Savior and our, our Shepherd is there. He's willing to come and take hold of us and carry us if need be. So please remember that. Find your hope in that, that he'll never let you wander too far. He'll always be there. He will look for you. He will find you. You have to be the one who will then receive his presence and say, I am ready. Carry me. Bring me home. I've wandered too far away. I need to come home. Father, thank you for this beautiful day we have, for the cool weather. We thank you for bringing us into your presence again and helping us, Father, to keep our minds and our hearts focused upon you, giving, this, giving us these understandings within the, in your word, God, of the, the power that you have amongst the, the nations of the world and how no man can stand before you. And yet those who go before you and ask you to be their God and their Savior and their guide, you will, by your, by your own covenant, go before them and lead them. But you won't forsake them, even though they may wander. Father, let us learn the lessons from Israel of their victories, of the things they did right, but also of all their mistakes and their errors. Help us, God, not to make 
covenants and pacts with the world when its only desire is to manipulate and ultimately destroy us. Help us, God, to be in this world, but not of us and of it. Help us to be transformers of the world, of the world and, and not complacent and, um, and kind of being absorbed into it. And Father, as we see all of these things going around us, may we just give us more desire to pray, the more desire to, to ask you to be the one that do the battle, that you be the one that be transforming lives and going out and, and fighting for us. Israel is facing so many uncertainties right now. God, we do ask you to be their strength now as you have been in the, in the past. But God, help them not form, form alliances with pagan nations that are not of you. Help their leaders pray and ask God, ask you if it is your will for them to form these alliances or not. Give them wisdom not to be deceived. Give them power, God, in the sense that they can stand up against the mightiest of all the kings, no matter how many kings come against them, that if they could put their trust in you, you could take down any number of nations that, are, that would come against them as you have done in the past. So we thank you for protecting them. We thank you, God, for the wisdom they have displayed in the past. And we pray for the, the hearts of the Palestinians and the Arabs around there that they might come humbly before you and come to know you as Lord and Savior, as well as the Jews, that there would be a transformation of that, of the whole Middle East as you come, the time draws near for you to come back, that they would come and fall down before you and come to know you as Lord and Savior. And in Ukraine, God, the same thing. For so many people are now fleeing and, and have no certainty of their future. They live in fear. They don't know what happened to their loved ones. Father, we want to pray specifically for a mom whose name is Natasha and her daughter's name is Victoria, is 13 years old. Ukrainians fleeing Ukraine. God, we have friends in the United States and Virginia who's trying to get them to access into the United States. We are praying, God, that you would help, th- help this mom and her daughter receive permission to come in the United States. God, give them the right avenue, the right uh, travel plan to be able to come either here to Mexico or Canada or somewhere else to find a way that they can be received into the United States as refugees. Uh, we've been asked to pray for that specifically by our friends in Fredericksburg, Micah and Carly's good friends. So, Father, we want to ask that you would open up a, a doorway for this mom and her daughter who have to travel by themselves, who have a family in the United States, who want to help but need, Father, your assistance to get them there. So, special prayer for them, God. And, Father, we want to lift up those that are sick, those that are in a lot of pain, certainly just all of us that have the joint pain and the muscle pain, God, we need our mobility. Please show us how. There's exercise, diet, or your hand miraculously touching us. God, whatever it is, just please give us the mobility. We pray for Ray and her foot and what's going on there and the pain she's suffering. That you get take care of that. Renee and her neck and her back. That has just because of her working so hard that you give her relief from that and mobility and flexibility today without pain. My shoulder, God, that I need you to heal and touch that has been ongoing for too long. But now for my brother Francisco, who's recovering with his tumor, um, getting better, God, please just get him up where he can communicate and talk and feel himself again. 
special prayer for that one, Carlos, Mexico City. Now that he's met with the neurologist, God, that he knows what needs to be done. But um, we, we continue to pray, God. Always, always a joy to hear that you are shrinking those tumors supernaturally. We've seen it done. We've seen you do it in the past, so we would continue to ask you to do it even now amongst our brother there, and that you would be touching those that have this ongoing serious cancer, like Maria Elena. Keep her strong, keep her going, keep her happy, her joyful. Uh, Nabil and Susie, Susie, with her situation, God, keep her focused on you and on serving, and let her just <laughs> beat this cancer by... by uh, her stubbornness, her age, and her faith. God, we pray a long life for her that she can, in one sense, die of natural causes and, and the cancer never gain a foothold over her life. So we pray for that. And uh, we, we think Pastor Joe is up and about and healed. We thank you for that. Um, Carlos Elizondo has got cancer father, a senior. Pray for him, for his healing, uh, as well as Karen Skoog. And uh, and Hank, of course, will lift them up to you. So thank you for all that you are doing. Thank you for the kids that went to the VBS and their new faith, the people that had just received you, the young kids and what you're doing there, the new people that came to church for for um, Easter and those that came back and heard a challenge, God, that it's time to come home. It's time to let you be their Lord and Savior. God, may you do a miracle in bringing the lost sheep home. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, that does it for me. So I'm going to say goodbye, and we will see you again tomorrow, same time. God bless you all.